From the first reading today, Moses said, Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. That's the Old Covenant. And Jesus, in the Gospel, at the Last Supper, uh, starts or institutes a new covenant. Um, uh, in the book of Exodus, Moses is talking to the Israelites about all of this. And he says, oh, by the way, there is going to come along someone who's more important than I am. He's the one you need to listen to. Well, he's the one who came along after Moses, right? Um, and so he's the one who established a new covenant. Look all over the Old Testament. You're not going to find new covenant until you get to the Last Supper. And Jesus mentions this is the new covenant. Up here on the wall, you see these uh, stations of the cross. That's number one. That's number seven down there. Eight is over there. And number 14 is over there. Look at number 14. And you can see that Jesus' body is being uh, prepared for burial. He's being buried right there. The, when Jesus on Good Friday, they, they took him out of Jerusalem. And um, when they got to the place where they were going to kill him, they, they stripped him of all of his clothing, every bit, nothing. Now, you see here, there is clothing on him. We won't do to Jesus what the Roman soldiers did to Jesus. Now, that's just for our sake. But in reality, Jesus was then nailed to the cross, lifted up, and there for hours he would hang um, until he died at 3 o'clock on Good Friday. The, um, they took down his body and they handled it with the greatest respect. Up until that point, his body was terribly abused. But in the hands of his mother, in the hands of his friends, his disciples and apostles, they cared for the Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi means body of Christ. And they wrapped his body in, um, in linen. You can see that over there. Now, the, uh, the way that um, picture shows it, it looks like they're wrapping the, the, the linen around his body. Uh, that's how they buried people in Egypt. But as you, you may remember, if this is a piece of linen, they put the uh, body of Jesus like this, his feet here and his head here. Then they fold it over the linen. And they tied it at his feet, at his waist, and at his, his neck. Um, that's how they buried Jesus. They placed his body on a stone slab. It had been carved out of living rock. And they placed his body on um, the rock. And on top of the rock was linen. I'm going to do something I normally don't do. So just bear with me. And don't worry, it's allowed. The, um, this in front of me is the altar. This is one of the most powerful symbols of Jesus. The altar uh, is a symbol of Jesus. Um, and the altar is uh, made of rock. It's made of marble. Um, and it's also covered with linen. In fact, the linen, this cloth, is about the size of the cloth that was used 
on the body of Jesus. How do we know? Because the Shroud of Turin in Italy, northern Italy, is the largest piece of linen, um, the, the most ancient and largest piece of linen in the world. Um, it was the, one of the burial cloths of Jesus. This up here is another burial cloth of Jesus, but it was not made of linen. Um, the um, the uh, linen on the altar um, covers the altar so that the altar is not uh, um, naked, right? The only time you see the altar stripped is on Good Friday. You come in to the church and the altar is stripped. The altar represents Christ. Now we start to get it, right? Um, I want to show you these things because Corpus Christi, uh, today is the feast of Corpus Christi, and Corpus Christi we focus on the body of Christ. Uh, I've been here 11 years, and I have to tell you, um, in all the times I've gotten up to speak, I must sound like a father know-it-all. Uh, no, I don't know it all. I'm learning all the time about my faith. Um, I remember I was ordained in 1989. Five years later, I took my dad to Rome for two weeks. And uh, for two weeks, we get up early. We go into the Basilica of St. Peter's in Rome. And I would, I would offer Mass at one of the altars in St. Peter's. I'll never forget it. My dad's now deceased. God rest his soul. Um, to get ready for Mass, to get vested for Mass, I would go into the sacristy. Here we have a sacristy. It's a little room. The sacristy in St. Peter's is bigger than this church itself. <laughs> it's huge. It's a, it's a huge basilica. And so many bishops and priests and deacons, they get vested there. Well, after I got vested, I would go over to a table at the other end, and there was a line of these. There was just a whole line of these. It looked just like this. And um, I'm going to show you what this is all about. Um, after going to St. Peter's and celebrating Mass, I said, you know what? If this is how they set things up at St. Peter's Basilica from now on, that's how I'm going to do it. Um, the, uh, um, here on top is um, something called the burse, beginning with a B. You know, ladies carry a purse. This is a burse. It's, um, it holds something inside. It's got a compartment here. And... What it holds inside is another piece of linen, as you can see. This piece of linen, the ladies um, ironed it. It's a square piece that folds once and then folds up from the bottom, then folds in and folds in. If you've ever made a, an envelope out of notebook paper, that's what this is like. Um, you know, you, wanna, you don't have an envelope, so you make one out of a piece of paper. Well, the, this piece of linen, square piece of linen, is called a corporal. Corpus Christi, corporal, corpus means body. The corporal is where the body of Christ is placed during the holy sacrifice of the mass. It's the first thing taken out and placed on the altar. I'm going to fold it up for just a minute while I do other things, but I'll come back to that. Um, underneath the burse, which holds the corporal, uh, this is uh, a veil. This is a veil. Over there at that first window, you see the gold chalice. It's a cup. Uh, Jesus used a chalice at the Last Supper. And this veil hides the chalice. Okay. And so we call that the chalice veil. That makes sense, doesn't it? Um, so the chalice veil. Now, 
there were years where I didn't use a chalice veil. Uh, most places you won't see the, the chalice with a veil on it. The instructions in the big book that's right here, the Roman Missal, they, uh, they call for a uh, chalice to be veiled. But then again, a lot of rules go unheeded, right? But for years, I had not used a chalice veil. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. After Rome, I always did. Again, this is a learning curve, isn't it? Now, under the chalice um, veil, there's this, uh, it's, a, it's a, a lid or a cover. And the, the name in Latin for this particular item is, is Paul, P-A-L-L. P-A-U-L, P-A-L-L. I am not a lid or a cover, okay? But uh, like at the picnic um, table, um, when you go to the lake, um, the, um, you cover things up to keep what? To keep dust off, to keep the bugs away, to keep things from flying away. That's exactly why this pole is here. Underneath the pole is the host. The host is, is, is bread. Um, this is the host for the priest. It's much bigger than the one that you re receive in Holy Communion. This is made of two kinds, excuse me, this is made of two kinds um, of two things only, uh, flour and water. There's no salt, there's no yeast, there's no honey, there are no M&Ms, there's flour and water. Okay, that's all there is. It's unleavened bread. That's the kind of bread Jesus used at the Last Supper. So it's right underneath the pole. The pole and the bread are, uh, are over this small plate. Um, and the name of this plate, well, this plate is, is, this plate is uh, covered in gold, right? It's not solid gold. It's gold-plated. So it's almost like a mirror. Ah, oh, sorry. Uh, that's usually what I do when I look in the mirror. <laughs> Anyway, this small plate is called a patent, like the general from World War II. It's not spelled that way, but a patent is a small plate in Latin. And so the host, the bread, goes on the patent. It goes up there, and the pole fits over it. Then the veil, and then the burse. Inside the burse is the corporal. Now I'm going to spread out the corporal, uh, now that I've got the veil off. I'm going to spread out the corporal. And uh, show you what happens. Uh, eight years ago, I went up to Nebraska. Went up to Nebraska. Oh, I didn't finish. I'm so sorry. Uh, under the patent, there's another piece of linen. Uh, this linen is a cloth used um, with the chalice to purify the chalice at the end of Mass. It's called a purificator. And then here's the chalice itself. Eight years ago, I went up to Nebraska to learn how to say the Old Mass. So far, I've never said the Old Mass. The Old Mass was in use when I was born in 1959. The Old Mass was in use until 1970. Um, but when I went up there, I learned a lot of things um, about the Corpus Christi that I never knew. So I think these might be interesting to you as well. Um, uh, when, the, um, when the priest... Um, when the priest says Mass, and only a priest or a bishop can say Mass, can offer Mass, um, when he takes the bread, he says the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper over the unleavened bread. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the, uh, 
The bread becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. A shorter way of saying that, the bread becomes the Corpus Christi. Um, at communion time, uh, instead of saying body of Christ or cuerpo de Cristo in Spanish, we say Corpus Christi. Um, why? Why do you do that? Well, should I just guess? Hmm. This person looks like he speaks English. This person looks like she speaks Spanish. No, communion is supposed to bring us together, right? Corpus Christi is used for everyone. If they speak um, uh, Eskimo, Corpus Christi. If they speak Italian, Corpus Christi, right? If they speak French, Corpus Christi. Um, so um, when the priest says the words at the Holy Mass that Jesus said at the Last Supper, this piece of bread becomes the Corpus Christi. When the priest says, when the priest takes the chalice filled with wine and just a little bit of water, when he says the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, um, the, um, what, what's contained in the chalice becomes the Corpus Christi, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. About five years ago, um, just after he was ordained a priest, Father Jason Cargo, he um, was on Catholic radio. Father Jason and his family grew up in Plano at St. Mark's. And he was um, talking on Catholic radio about how he grew up at St. Mark's and he went to CCD there for 12 years. He was telling a story about how he went to college down at Bryan College Station and his brother went to UT Austin. <laughs> Talk about a fight, right? The, they probably could not sit together at the football games. Um, but anyway, uh, Father Jason went up to Austin to see his brother one time when they were both in college. His brother was sitting out in front of the fraternity house with his girlfriend, who's now his wife. And the three of them were talking. All three were Catholic. And the girlfriend is now the brother's wife. Right. And it was then it was then that um, um, that Father Jason heard for the first time these words. The girlfriend said, um, in Holy Communion, we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Um, Father Jason calls a time out. He said, what did you just say? And she said, yeah. In Holy Communion, when we receive Holy Communion, we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Friends, he was in college. That was the first time he had ever heard it. You think that every one of your children or grandchildren know this stuff? Rots a ruck. Uh, I don't think so. Um, the, um, th when we talk about the Corpus Christi, we're talking about how the divine life of the most blessed Trinity comes to me and you in Holy Communion, um, in the most blessed sacrament, the, the very Corpus Christi. Not his, not his dead body. No, no, no. It's his risen body, his resurrected body, his glorified body. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit, just as it says in the gospel. Forgot to mention here, too, at the offertory, the priest puts um, puts wine in the chalice. And about five or six years ago, I started using one of these. And and it's, you know, even if you have glasses on, it's like, what is that? It's a very small spoon, very small spoon. And it's used with the chalice. That's why it's called a chalice spoon. If I used a spoon like this, I would probably... And, and eating, I'd probably lose a lot of weight or my arm would get very tired. 
but I only use this spoon for the chalice. So for years, you've seen me uh, pour the wine in the chalice and then dip this into the water and then do this. And probably people say, what is that? I don't know. The, uh, well, why, why use this? Do I have to use this? No. If, you, if the priest or the deacon pours too much water into the wine, it cannot be consecrated. This is just a, a, a way to measure to not get to, it only holds a few drops. So that's why I use the chalice spoon. Now, this is the part that I've been working up to. When it comes time for Holy Communion, when it comes time for Holy Communion, these are some of the things I learned eight years ago. And I want to show them to you because they might help you to grow in your love, your respect, deepen your love and respect for Jesus, Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. Um, when it comes time for, for Holy Communion, I take the bread that is now a sacred host because I've just said the words over the bread that Jesus said at the Last Supper. Now, ladies, um, you know that wherever you find bread and when you break bread, you are going to have crumbs. I know but we've all said it as kids. Mom, can I have a cookie? Um, yeah, sure. Just go over to the table and eat it. No, I'm, I'm going to go into the living room. Oh, I'll be careful. Yeah. And you know why you have ants in the living room? Oh, I don't mean your uncle's wife. I mean the little critters on the floor. It's because anywhere you have bread, you're going to have crumbs, right? Anywhere you have bread, even the, even the host that you receive, I guarantee you, uh, you're going to have crumbs. So at, just before Holy Communion, I break the bread, which is a sacred host, and I do it over the gold patent. When it comes time for me to receive Holy Communion, I, I take the two pieces and I fold them together and over the paten, I put them in my mouth. I don't just do it over here where they could just fall on the floor. I make sure I'm over the corporal and over the paten, and it goes any of the crumbs are going to fall on the uh, paten. And then this is something I learned only eight years ago. I've been a priest 26 years, right? Then you see me do this. With a with a patten, scrape, scrape. Then I do the other side, scrape, scrape, scrape. I'm very careful. I'm very careful with the sacred host. It's amazing how many times I find crumbs from Holy Communion on this corporal. Um, and then what do I do with them? I take the chalice, which contains the wine just a drop of water, which is now the blood of Christ. I take the patent and I do this. I lift it up and with my thumb, I move any of the crumbs into the chalice. And then what do I do with the patent? I put the patent here under my chin or in my case, under my chins, right? And then I receive from the chalice. Now, why do I do that? Um, Maybe you've uh, seen it when your, your, your kid goes from the bottle to a sippy cup um, or to a regular cup, right? And part of what's in the cup goes in here and the other part goes on here. That happens too. anything you drink or I drink there. Oh, it's just a drop or two. It's just a droplet or whatever. Well, every crumb, every droplet is the Corpus Christi, the body, blood, soul and divinity of Christ. Can we have too much care? I mean, it, does it break my arm to do this? No, it's very manageable, right? Um, 
But um, these are some these are some interesting things to consider about the Corpus Christi. We do. I, I will tell you, I do not have enough care, enough respect for the Corpus Christi, but I'm trying. I bet the same is true of you and your children. Let me show you, I think, uh, three more things over here. We have one on the other side, too. Over here is um, it's a bowl with water in it and it has a lid. And right next to it is another piece of linen. Boy, they got a lot of linen around here, don't they? Yeah. Again, anything having to do with the body of Christ um, is made of linen. Um, I've seen I've seen masses in all over the United States. I've seen masses in Mexico, Italy. I've seen masses all over the world. And um, I've seen bishops, priests, deacons, and men and women, lay people, distributing Holy Communion. I've seen it all. Um, and i got to tell you, some of the things I've seen are very encouraging. Some things are rather shocking. After distributing Holy Communion, bishops, priests, deacons, men and women, I've seen that some of them do this. Right after saying, body of Christ, body of Christ body of Christ, then they do this. Or worse, they do this. What, what's on their... If they had something on their fingers, why were they distributing Holy Communion? Now, what they're doing is they're saying, oh, I've got crumbs. Um, okay, this water, you'll notice the deacons. The deacons, after Holy Communion, they go up to this bowl. It's called a lavabo. And they take their finger and thumb and they put it in the water. Any crumbs now drop into the water and then they dry their fingers with a linen cloth. Later on, this water goes down a special drain called a sacrarium that doesn't go into the sewer. It goes into the ground. It's buried in the ground. Friends, these are just some ways that we show respect for the Corpus Christi. Love for the Corpus Christi, for the body of Christ. Um, the last two points. In my opinion, um, well, it's not my opinion, it's the teaching of the church that after I receive Holy Communion, Jesus stays in my body, in my soul, for five minutes. And another five minutes. And another five minutes. That's 15 minutes. Um, it is my opinion that we should spend those 15 minutes talking to him, listening to him, just sitting there or kneeling there in his presence. Um, we need to plan better. If I don't have 15 minutes just to spend with him, to listen to him with, and tell him all my problems with, about my family, um, um, what's going on in the world, I shouldn't go to communion. That's my opinion. Well, you can't make me, Father. You're right. I can't make you do anything. I can't make me do most things. How am I going to get you to do something, right? I'm just saying that. Well, imagine imagine inviting the Pope to come to your house. And so he, he knocks on the door and he comes in and he sits on the couch. And then you turn on the TV and you watch the program or the movie or the game. And never. Well, somebody says to you the next day at work, so... How was the Pope? Yeah, here's a picture of me sitting next to the Pope. What did he talk about? Oh, he didn't talk. I just watched uh, whatever. Um, what a wasted opportunity. And the same thing goes for Holy Communion. Uh, have I done that before? Yeah. 
Is it something I'm proud of? No. no I don't mean the part about the Pope. I mean Holy Communion, right? Uh, think about it. If we don't have time to receive Holy Communion, then nobody's forcing me to receive Holy Communion or you to, reforce, to re- receive Holy Communion. Now, um, the teaching of the church is that if I know I have one mortal sin or two or a dozen or more, just one is enough. If anybody has one mortal sin, the teaching of the church is stop, go to confession first, then go to communion. Um, for years and years, people have been saying, well, I just go ahead and say a, a prayer and then I go to, to communion. I'll go to confession later. Um, that's not what Jesus teaches. In fact, that's like um, taking your precious, your expensive computer and while it's running programs, just ripping it, the, the, the connection out of the wall, you crash your computer. It's an expensive computer. Um, to, um, to receive Holy Communion when we're not ready uh, is to not welcome Jesus. Um, in light of that, I, I must say that over the years, what I've discovered is we have, we have church police. Yeah. Uh, or I should say communion police. Uh, maybe a husband sees a wife and she doesn't go to communion or she sees that he doesn't go to communion. Um, so I noticed you didn't go to communion. Um, what happened? How many people here want public confessions? I mean, just right out in the open. I don't see a hand going up. Do you? All right. Or, or saying to a parent, saying to one of their kids, I, I noticed you didn't go to communion. I noticed you didn't receive communion. Are you in mortal sin? Oh, isn't that inviting? Gee, why doesn't why doesn't why doesn't he or she want to go to to, to church? Gee, it's it's communion place or children. Hey, wait a minute, children are not perfect. Mom, I noticed you didn't go to con- communion. Dad, I noticed you didn't go to communion. Yeah, um, see, uh, I think the law needs to be mowed, right? Yeah, send them out there. The uh, uh, we need to stop it with the communion police. Um, if somebody isn't ready to go to communion. They can say, if they're asked, they can just say, no, I think I'll wait and go to, go to com- communion another time. Uh, and parents, instead of uh, parents, instead of doing such things, could just make opportunities to get their kids to confession. Uh, friends, these are some ways in which the Corpus Christi can be better loved, better served. Uh, we should take as much care as we can with the Corpus Christi um, for me and for you. We're not know-it-alls. We can learn more. We can, we can ask him, Lord, is there anything better that I can do to serve you in receiving your body, blood, soul, and divinity? And listen for his response. Um, this is the new covenant that Jesus established at the Last Supper. Um, when he said, take this, th- take this and eat, this is my body. Take this and drink, this is my blood. And parents and grandparents... If you think that your children know and understand and are practicing all of these things, you have fallen asleep. You're dreaming. And so, like everything else, you have to repeat it again and again and again. You have to present it in a million different ways. And one day, uh, bingo, there it is. Um, But this is beautiful. This is absolutely sublime that God would give us. He'd go to all these links to give us his body, blood, soul, and divinity so that you and I can receive the life of the, the most blessed Trinity so we can be strengthened to carry the cross every day. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.